Hey folks, back here with uh, Senator L.V. Gray-Jackson. How you doing? I'm doing great, thank you. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. It was just a four-hour House floor session on a permanent fund resolution. Very mm-hmm. a, lot of, a lot of amendments that were all handwritten. Oh, okay. Well, uh, what else are they going to do on the floor? That was pretty much it. <laughs> but it was, but write, write hand, hand write stuff. Well, because normally you, you know about this stuff and you, you draft them in advance. Yeah, but if they were done on the floor, you know, it just makes sense that they t- pick up a pen and write what they want to say and then make sure that there's somebody there to, to get it accurate. Did this ever happen in the assembly or were they, were they all Often. kind of... Often. So this was like Often. on the fly. Yeah, when it's on the fly because you just, you know, you do what you need to do. Um, and then the, the clerk or the house secretary or whatever it's called, because we have the Senate secretary, I think it's the house secretary, then they take good notes and then they make it mm-hmm. a formal document. But so we did the fir- seen it. We did the first podcast in your office last year. This is this next this next session. So it's right. your second year in legislature. And you were, you were nine, nine years on the assembly, right? Yes. I always talk about the community council. You and Dick Cheney were... Basically, at every meeting, I think the only one you ever missed, you were introduce, was, introducing uh, Michelle Obama in yeah, D.C. Yeah, right. I wasn't going to miss that for anything. Yeah. So what's it like now the second session compared to the first one? You, you'd been in elected office before, but it was assembly, so the legislature's a lot different. Do you feel... It's, it's quite a bit different. You know, rules are a little different. I find that the legislature is um, quite a bit more formal, which I love. I love formality. You know, when I was chair on the assembly, you know, I... I just stuck to Robert's rules of water. He used to always, when I was community council president, remember in the meeting, he used to always say Mr. President. I was like, oh, God, don't say that. Don't well, call me that. Well, you were the president, know, and it's out of respect for the position <laughs> that you held. You know, respect is real important. You know, like like here in Juneau, when you're walking through the halls, everybody has to call you senator or representative. Mm-hmm. But I tell my staff, hey, you know what? You do what you have to do, like everybody else in the hallways, but when we're in this office, I'm Elvie. That's it. Well, you're Facebook Senator Elvie, right? That's right. <laughs> That's what you go by. Yeah, but, you know, LV, yeah. Now, now last podcast um, we did, a lot of people brought up the fact that you told a story about how you were working at the city and they let you go and then you'd run against this person later and I think they'd beat you, but then you ran again and you and you won and then you, you made that comment, you know, after you won. How you well, like no, me now? No, not only did I, well, the first time I ran, okay, I ran up against the person that got rid of the office got rid of me got rid of my utility budget analyst and he only beat me by 366 votes my first time out so out that's of, impressive out of, a, out of that's a lot of votes in those districts too right there's tens 366 of votes is, is not a lot if you're an incumbent to have one mm-hmm. by by no means but anyway i ran again in 2008 and so did um the gentleman who who got fired along with me he ran and so we both won, and we ended up serving with the person that fired us. So, yeah, how you like me now? <laughs> That's how I felt afterwards, you know. I mean, really. It's a good line. Not, no, it was, you know, I mean, I ran for office because I wanted to um, serve the the people at at an elected level because I worked for the assembly for 18 years, mm-hmm. 42 different members, all of their constituents, and I was ready to, to work for my constituents, personally work for my constituents. So that's why I ran. But, um, you know, it was just interesting how the person who I ran against happened to be the person who fired me. That's politics. You never know in politics, you know? Yeah, you, you never you do know. do something and it comes, you know, you sometimes know. years, sometimes decades, you know, later it catches up. Or Yeah, but, but when I think about it, you know, um, in reality, I, I know that everything happens for a reason. 
Mm-hmm. I know that, at least in my life. I believe that, and, too. And um, thank you very much for firing me because, again, how you like me now? Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know if you're... <laughs> a lot of people, it was meant to happen. A lot I'm of people pub- brought that I'm up. I'm in public service once again, and... Look where you are now. How you like me now. Now you you're know, a senator. And it's, it's just, again, it's amazing how things happen. It really is. But if, if, if it hadn't happened like that, um, I wouldn't have had an opportunity to run for office in so soon. Because I would have had to leave my post, you know, serving as the assembly's budget director. I would have had to re- resign and then sit out a whole year mm-hmm. before I could even run for office. So it just made it easier for me to, to do what I'm doing now. Now, now look where you are. Um, so I'm not sure if you're paying how much attention you're paying to the Anchorage Assembly stuff, but you were in the assembly for nine years. So there's right. And what, I worked for them for 18. Yeah. So one of the... Um, and back up a second. Um, I am paying attention to what's happening um, at the local level because that's my community, and mm-hmm. it's the community that I represent on the state level. So what happens on the local level in terms of the assembly and what's going on is real important to me. I may miss some things, but I do stay on top of what's going on there. Well, one of the ballot initiatives or propositions, I guess, is to add a, a second member to downtown. Right. And I did a podcast. I haven't posted it yet with Moira Sullivan We talked or Moira Gallagher. We talked about this. But um, it's, it sounds like in the 70s, they created the, these districts, and there was supposed to be a rotating, and it was originally Eagle River. And then since the 80s, it's been, it's been downtown. Um, right. do, do, you, do you recall this being discussed when you were on the assembly? And, and do you think... What I recall is when the, the late Adam... Adam, not Adam. The late... Um, gosh, my good friend. I'm Teshi? Blank here. Yeah. Alan Teshi? It's been a really tight... Busy, busy week. Well, so fr- I'm a little, I'm a little tired. It's That's a the bottom line. But no, and and it's a Friday, and it was it was an intense morning, frankly. But anyway, no, Alan Teshi was a really good friend of mine, um, the late Alan Teshi, and he served downtown, and he always thought that the the one member was just fine. He did. Yes, he did. Because I didn't realize this until after I was talking to, to Moira, but the district actually is smaller than yeah, the two member districts. It is. It is. It is. And Alan, not that I can remember, I don't think he ever had an issue with being, because if he did, Alan was a moving shaker. He got things done. If he had an issue, he would have brought something forward when he was still with us. Remember that phone call and he got? The, the accidental phone call? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Were you in the assembly then? I was staff. Oh, man, that was... I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was something else. Be careful. 250 be care- now be and 250. Be careful who you call and make sure you hang well, up. What did he say? 250 after now and 250 ended. after the vote. You know, we're doling out 500. <laughs> so, um, I've been watching a lot of your speeches this month. It's Black History Month, mm-hmm. and you've been doing quite a few speeches. One of my favorites was uh, Peanut Man, uh, George Washington Carver. Right. But you've been almost, right. I think every floor session you've been reading. Ten, ten, I did ten speeches, and there were 12 floor sessions. And so these and are, the only reason why I didn't do the other two was because we had um, uh, Senator Rakowski doing her annual um, speech before mm-hmm. the, both houses. So I didn't do that. And then there was one um, session where I had, a, um, I lost my voice. And so you lost your voice. Ooh. Yeah, not totally, not totally, but it wasn't good enough for me to stand up and give a speech. Um, but but what's interesting is, and it wasn't planned, but the day that I wasn't able to give my speech, Click Bishop gave one. Oh, really? Yes. So there's so many. I mean, hundreds or thousands of African Americans you could pick. How did you kind of get down to the ones you ended up choosing? Some of them were really interesting. The pacemaker guy was, right, I like that right. one too. They were wonderful. And I, I, you know, my colleagues learned a lot about African American history and so did I, frankly. You know, my um, Alaska first 
First Alaskans Institute, I have a fellow, and her name is Megan Warren, and she was the one who was responsible for doing research and picking somebody for me to talk about and putting together this speech, and, and I was so honored um, to have her, and she did an, an amazing job. And then uh, my other staff, you know, they, they did the proofreading and some editing, and I did a little bit of editing, but she made it real easy for me. Yeah, there were good speeches, and some, and some of them were... You know, they're they're pretty um, emotional, they were longer, frankly, and they were, and they were very informative, they were but they weren't they weren't short speeches. No, they weren't short speeches. You know, uh, as a rule, when I'm on any floor, like even when I was on the assembly, I don't believe during debate in in you know taking a long time to say what I have to say because it's unnecessary and people don't want to hear it. You know, usually, you know, I say what's necessary to get my point across when it comes to debate, and not what I have to say. Oh yeah, yeah, I forgot that. No, I just say what's necessary to make my point, but. In this instance, you know, every single word of every single one of my speeches was worth reading. And they were long, but, you know, so what? So do you, do you feel like, uh, you know, I think I grew up in Black History Month was in school and taught to us, but I almost feel like now it's, it's maybe not as emphasized in, in some cases. Do you, do you feel like there's, there's a, a lack of that or do you, do you is that maybe depending where you are well, in the country. Well, you, you're younger than me. Did you know I'm that? 30. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> not, <laughs> well, not, not too much. Well, the, the point is, when I was growing up, there wasn't any black history discussion in school. And it wasn't that long ago, but there just wasn't. You know, and now there is. And as a matter of fact, I talked to um, one of the school board members just to get an idea of what was happening at the, the school level. And there's lots that happened, that's happening, at least in Anchorage. And I'm sure school districts throughout the state but it's pretty impressive what what they've done and the different things that they did for um, Black History Month. Yeah, and they recently uh, voted. What was the the Betty Davis um, room? Is that what was yeah, voted on recently? Yeah, I feel, yeah. I didn't know her very well, but I met her a handful of times. And no, I she knew was, her well. I liked her. I liked her a lot. She was. I knew her well. Um, she was um, an inspiration to me. She was a mentor, and she was also a friend. And she encouraged before I even ran for office. She used to encourage me to run for office. And when I made a decision to run for office, she was the first person that I went and talked to because I knew that she would give me, because of her experience, you know, and support of me, I knew she would give me some really good guidance on um, what it's like to run for office, how to raise money, um, knocking on doors, all of it, so that I can do a good job and get elected. And and I'm grateful for that. And she, she led the way for me, frankly. You know, I'm grateful of Dr. Martin Luther King for leading the way for all of us. But, you know, she was the first um, African-American to serve on the state senate in the House, and I'm the second African-American female to serve in, in the state center, and it's, it's truly a, an honor, and she led the way. And she was an educator, and she really looked out for children and the most vulnerable in our communities. And, you know, education was her big thing. And I'm just truly honored that we were able to um, name a room after her and so quickly, and I'm grateful to represent it. Sponholtz, who brought forward the bill, because I couldn't, because it's a, the room's in the house, so I couldn't bring forward the bill, but I certainly led the way to make this happen. And again, I'm grateful to Representative Sponholtz for carrying that bill, and it passed, and we're all excited. And tomorrow is the second annual Betty Davis African American Summit in Anchorage at the Bartlett High. And at noon, the, the well, actually it's at 11.30 the lunch, I'm going to be a speaker. Uh, Senators Beggage and Wilson are, are going to be a speaker, and so is Representative Sponholtz. And we're going to talk about um, the room being named after her, and it's going to be like a little celebration at that level. And we have the plaque ordered. It should be here hopefully in six weeks, and we're going to have a major celebration 
here in Juneau in oh, that wow. room where her family members, Senator Davis's family members will be there, some of her sorority sisters, and we're looking forward to that celebration. No, I, I don't know. She was she, was she she moved. I assume she moved here. Or was she born in Alaska? I don't. No, she wasn't born in Alaska. Where, where was she? No, as a matter of fact, she. Um, I'm, I'm working on my speech. Because you, you came from. You told me last time New Jersey, right? Senator Davis. No, you. You. No, me. You told yeah, me that story. I thought, yeah, I was. I was born and raised in New Jersey, but I thought you just asked me about. I, no, I did as well. I was. I was okay, curious. No, I, I was born didn't... in North New Jersey, in the hood, and I'm proud of that. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> I was. That's where Jeannie Devon's from too, Jersey. You know that? Yeah. No. No. I know that. I know that. And Camille Conti. And isn't uh, Senator Wilikowski? Doesn't he yes, have in New he Jersey? Is. He's from New Jersey. Ty. Oh yeah, he's from New Jersey, from uh, South Jersey, I think. Now, Jeannie Devon told we used to do the radio a lot, and she told me that because uh, I grew up in New Mexico, which is pretty big, pretty big state. Uh-huh. But she was saying Jersey. I think I maybe asked you this last time. You don't you don't kind of say what city you're you're from or something. You say what what um, highway exit. What or exit on the turnpike? Yeah, what exit on the turnpike, and that's kind of yeah. where is that, is that how that works there? Some well, most times, you know. But but for me, where I lived, it was a high. The highway was McCarter Highway. Okay, and for McCarter Highway, for me, the, the exit was, I think, 21 or something like that. But, yeah, it's a fun thing because the New Jersey Turnpike is the big um, passageway, if you will, in New Jersey. Not passageway. It's the, the big roadway, put it like that, highway for New Jersey. Are you- it's, it's pretty darn extensive, too. It goes from one end to the next and almost actually into upstate New York. Are you Giants or Jets? I'm neither one. I'm not a sports person. Really? At all. I have no interest in sports. No interest? No. Isn't that no. the big thing in Jersey? It's like Giants or Jets? Isn't that kind of the... It is, but not for me. Not for you. No, I'm, I'm not into sports. I'm into cooking. Or in pol- <laughs> politics. In politics, yeah. <laughs> you cook? I'm a self-taught gourmet cook. I thought I'd really? That. Really? You should do. You should do uh, like a, an event. I used to have, um, a, when I was married, we had a part-time catering business. Oh yeah, in, we in, both in worked full time. Yeah, in Anchorage, we both worked full time. We had a part time catering business. Wow, I didn't know that. Gourmet food, yeah, yeah. So like dinners or kind of fancy. I've like... done wed- I've done a wedding for two hundred fifty people. I wow. don't want to do it anymore. It's too much work, and I don't do it. You know, now and I just donate my catering services for like political events. And I used to do tons of fun fundraisers, big fundraisers where I did all the food. And but I don't do that anymore. What I do is like like a small fundraiser, like you know five people. Mm-hmm. Um, and the candidate, five hundred dollars a head, and that's the kind of fundraisers that I do now. But but no, I'm a self-taught gourmet cook, and um, and there, I love to do it. There was a, I don't know if you were there. It was a couple of years ago. There was some Democratic fundraiser at someone's house downtown, and uh, there was all these the folks brought different food, and I'll never forget. It. Harry Crawford brought, brought some uh, etouffee, some Louisiana Cajun. So, oh man, it was so good. I just. Started yeah, thinking good. about that when you mentioned yeah. fundraisers. Yeah, and a side note, I don't like potlucks. Really? <laughs> no. BYOB. I don't, I don't like BYOB. When you, you know, no, I don't. I don't like potlucks. But anyway, I used to do all the food myself. I've done fundraisers where it was. I've never done a potluck fundraiser. If I ever get married, I'm gonna, I'm gonna call you. No, I don't care you, anymore. You're, you no, can't. You're done. Me. Not even for me. Well, well Jeff, oh, maybe, uh, possibly, <laughs> put it like that. But I'll tell you this for Black History Month, because Andy, um, story, representative story, mm-hmm. she carried the bill in the House, and that's the one that passed. Okay, because anyway, but what we did for Black History Month, her staff and mine, we got together, and we celebrated back Black History Month, and we we there was there's not a soul food restaurant in, in Juneau, so I made macaroni and cheese, which is my macaroni and cheese is. Kick butt. It's really good. 
And I made ribs, and I made potato salad, which is really, really good. Uh, How did I miss this? Keith made um, collard greens. Megan made cornbread. Because Keith is from North Carolina, right? Jacob Help. Yeah, Jacob Help. But um, you missed it because you weren't invited. Nobody, nobody. It it was just our staff, and and there's a nearby church, and we went there, and we we just had a great time. And Andy brought uh, some music, and it was Motown. Next time we were dancing and have a rocking good time. Next time, call me, and I'll 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 come too. You know, sounds like a good party. It was a good party. It was a good party. But you weren't the only one who weren't invited. I don't feel I don't feel so bad. No, don't feel bad. It was just us. So what's it like this session? I mean, we did a podcast probably around the same time last session. Um, I mean, what are you what are you noticing? It seems like some stuff feels the same, but some stuff feels a little different. I mean, the, the big budget fight's not happening well, this time I like think last year. The the big difference is uh, cuts aren't as drastic as they were last year, but they're still there's you know people think that the governor's budget is really great, but it's really not because there are things that um, weren't that were cut that weren't reinstated. You know, things are better than last year, but it's not a great budget. The governor's budget is not a great budget. And one of the things that still remains unfunded is public radio. Yeah, no, I've been reading some articles about... Oh, yeah, public radio. You know, there's a job, a better job is being done with Medicaid because, you know, the governor has no choice because the federal money that we get. And they made, you know, some decisions last year without really thinking them through. You know, they thought that they could f- find all these savings and, and Medicaid and, and health and social services. They could find Medicaid savings, but then they realized that wasn't going to happen. And so thus, you know, additional funding and supplemental budget plus, you know, federal funds. When you get federal funding, it plays a, a really big role on how you handle funds locally that contribute towards or as a match towards the money we get from the federal government. And the thing about it is when it comes to the federal government's funding, if you don't provide that match, you don't get that funding, yeah, just and like the, somebody else gets it. I think the big, the big one that's always brought up is the capital budget, the ten to one match on the roads and different things. And you know, if we don't, we almost lost that last. Remember, there was a whole fight about passing the capital budget. Yeah, I remember. Do, do you, um, the, the governor this this year seems to be, and maybe it's because of this recall. You know, who knows? But he seems a little more um, absent. Than last, have you kind of noticed that? What do you mean? I just you don't really. I haven't really seen him around too much. He's been you know the state of the state. I've, I've seen him on the airplane a couple of times. You know, but I didn't see him any more uh, this year than I did last year. It's pretty much the same. Yeah, it just seems like there's this kind of um, elephant in the room that, that a lot of folks are in this dividend thing that's not really been talked about too much yet. This session, I mean, the House just did this resolution, which is just a basically a statement, and, and it hasn't. There was amendments all day, and they were arguing about what it meant, and, and they're going to vote, I guess, on on Monday. But um, I guess pretty soon they're going to have to start passing the budget, and then the question is: Is it going to be a dividend in the budget? Or are they going to wait till like till last till at the end, like last year? And what do you know, what do you but, think? Well, we're we're not even at we're not even halfway through the session if you look at ninety days. So I think today is. Day number forty-three, something like that. Yeah, we're not quite halfway. No, no, we we have some time. So you're in kind of a unique position. I mean, I think a lot of folks are paying attention to this election coming up, primary in general. But you you ran two years ago, so you're 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 in the clear this time. Right. You don't I'm have not an election until twenty-two. So your district will stay. You might change. I mean, redistricting is going to happen. It is going to happen. So your district could change a little bit or a lot. I remember. I ran for Senate in 2012, and before that, that's when they changed. 
and I used to be in Kevin Meyer's district, and after redistricting, I was put in the Lisa McGuire's district. Right. So I, I actually moved senators. It's real interesting. When I was on the assembly, I used to have, before the redistricting, I had the last redistricting, I had um, air, not airport heights, um, Eastridge, that whole area. Yep. That was part of my district. And after redistricting, nope, didn't happen anymore. And it's interesting because I had a choice. Either keep Airport Heights or um, Eastridge, and I kept Airport Heights. But I have a lot of um, support in Eastridge, even though they can't vote for me. But so, what do you see? Uh, what do you see happening here in the next, I guess, six weeks? Do you think we're going to be a ninety-day thing, or you think it's one? Because a lot of folks want to get out to go, you know, run for their election. But right, it seems like right. you go back many years, and it always seems to go even way before you were here. It goes one twenty or. Well, yeah, it's 121 days is the actual number. I used to think it was 120, but no, it's actually 121. I guess it's because of the, they say the, there was some court thing where the first day kind of doesn't really count because yeah, no but, one's really doing much. Yeah, but I know it's 121. And I think we're going to go to 121. And it's okay. You know, I got elected to do my job. If it takes 90 days, fine. If it takes 121 days, it is what it is. What's been uh, your kind of favorite part about being a senator? compared to you know being on the assembly well for one thing the assembly it's every three years senators four years i'm glad i'm not in the house because it's got to run every two years mm-hmm. so i like that part um and i think I, I mentioned this last when you did the interview last time you know unfortunately you know the assembly we represent 60 each district is sixty thousand people for the most part and you have two members and you don't have any dedicated help you have help from the clerk's office and they've been they were wonderful you have the ombudsman who helps out you have um your own attorney but you don't have dedicated help and down here i have you know i'm in the minority and i still have two full-time staffers you know in an office here in juno and an office in anchorage and when i was on the assembly there there wasn't even dedicated office space but i hear now that um they're gonna have some dedicated office space which is really good it should happen a long time ago yeah it seems like the assembly i mean they i, I know chris constant pretty well and i know you i know i know dick and other other folks forrest dunbar and i know how much work they they put into it and the the pay is very low and there's like you said there's no really no staff and it's always kind of puzzled me um, when there's so many folks to represent and then right. very very little money and very little right. staff well you have a salaries and monuments commission that set the salary for assembly members and the mayor and the school board but the assembly is like 20 some thousand isn't it or no 20 um it's like 30 34 and that includes a 250 dollar per paycheck stipend to help with medical costs but it's around 34 mm-hmm. but the good news is the Salaries and Monuments Commission, and I testified in support of this and recommended at 60000 at minimum, and I believe that that's what's going to happen in a year, next year. Next year or this year? Well, I mean, essentially, it's... it's, it's and it's a, still not enough, it's essentially a full-time job, right? When you... Just like this one, it's considered part-time, but if you do your job and you do it the way it should be done, you spend a lot of time. And the assembly, you know, if you do your job the way you should do your job, it's a lot of work. And it's time Well, there's the, there's the meetings, but then a lot of folks don't realize there's the work sessions and there's community the councils, community councils, right. you know, and constituent meetings. And I have the same thing now. You know, we have, we're in session. Um, the only difference is we're not in session all year round, like the assembly, they have meetings all year round. But even when we're not in session, you know, I'm at my office in Anchorage every single day. 
I, 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 I saw you there. You know, um, doing my emails, because I always do my own emails. I, I did it for nine years when I was on the assembly, and I'm doing it now. And so you told me that. How do, you, how do you manage to keep up? You must get a lot. I mean, I imagine you get a lot of emails, We get right? a lot of emails, but I stay on top of it. That is, my, my, you know, my primary job when I'm in my office is reading and doing my emails. And I'm glad that, that you know, I made the decision that I was going to continue to do my emails, even though I had staff to do them for me. But if, as a, if I was a constituent, well, I am a constituent, but I want to, when I write to a legislator, I want to hear from them, not their staff. Not that I don't, you know, staff can't be trusted, but people want, constituents want to hear from the legislator. Yeah, I think some folks don't realize that when they send an email to the legislator, oftentimes the staff's responding to it. Not, not, the legislator's not always the one responding. No, no, but you get an email, you write me. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm to send you a test email. I'm going I'm to say, hey, The response it's... is from me. And the bottom line is, you know, I, I respond to everybody's email. I'm going to send you an email sometime. Even people who don't like me, I respond to everybody's email. Do you get a lot of, um, Senate and on the Assembly, do you get a lot of angry or mean, nasty? On the Assembly? Well, both. Both? Um, a, a few, you know, but when I was on the Assembly, I'd got... Quite a bit. No, not quite a bit, but a few phone calls, you know, when people are unhappy with your vote. Yeah. And and they'd call and say, I'm really pissed about your vote, and I'm never going to vote for you, and I'm going to work hard to make sure you never get elected. And then they leave their phone number. And I love when they leave their phone number. I do, because I call them back. Wow. Oh, absolutely. I call them back, and I and I say, you know, hi, this is L.B. Gray Jackson, or Simley, whatever. And I've had a few here. They probably, they probably aren't the ready for that, are they? No, they're not. Um, they're like surprised that I call back, you know, and you know, I'm fearless, you know, I'm not afraid to, to have a conversation with somebody just cause they're mad at me or don't like me. If you leave, if you call me and leave a phone number, I'm going to call you back. And now down here, cause my staff, they answer the phone, but I tell them if somebody wants to talk to me, you make sure you let them, let me know so I can call them back. And I do. And with probably within 24 hours or less. If I, I, I always tell folks, if I was ever to become a legislator, I would periodically, I would, I would just start, I would answer the phone myself because I've called a lot of offices and like, it's, I've never had a legislator answer, mm-hmm. right? It'd be kind of funny if it's like, Hey, this is Senator, L, you know, well, no, I've, <laughs> you should I've, do that. I've done it. You've answered the phone? I sure have. What are they, what are they think you're, they think you it's know? a joke or? No, they're, they're fine. They're like, Oh, hi, I'm surprised I got you, but hi. Yeah, it's no, pretty I've rare. I've answered the phone. Um, especially in the office in, in Anchorage, you know, if, if here, you know, if, if we're all at a meeting or whatever, we can ask the page to come in and answer the phones, you know, but you know, I have staff now, two folks, two all the time. And I have an intern now too, and they answer the phones. I'm busy doing emails, but if the phone rings and nobody's here, which is unusual, of course I'll pick it up. So I think a lot of folks just let it. Let it ring and <laughs> go me. to the voicemail. Not me. So what's been the um, hardest or, or most challenging part? I mean, is it the travel? Is it the is it the more, more members? What, what's been the hardest part about being on the Senate compared to you know the Assembly? Um, you know, I've been doing this for a long time. And yeah, you know, being in the legislature is quite a bit different than being on the Assembly, but it's still public service. You know, and you're here to work together and get the job done on behalf of your constituents. So I don't consider it hard. It really isn't hard for me. It's time-consuming, but, you know, this, this is my job now. Yeah, the, I mean, I, I'm here for the session. This is my second time, and I go back maybe once every two or three weeks, but 
it's um it's tough you know you got all your stuff in anchorage or other folks live all over the state you gotta go back and check your house and you know laundry is it's all these things just kind of but here's the good news okay the good news is i have a comfortable place to live here and I have everything that I need here. I have a duplicate of everything. You're not staying at the Driftwood like me? No. <laughs> that's where I, that's where I stay. Toothbrush, you know, cosmetics, everything that I have is, is here. See, I stay, at the, so, I, stay, I stay at the Driftwood, which is a different experience. Yeah. In my place yeah, in Anchorage. Well, I'm sorry for you. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a, it's a full experience. But, it's the full Juno experience. Is it? Well, oh, yeah. Well, um, enjoy yourself. That's where, that's where I tell people that's where, that's where the action happens, <laughs> the driftwood. Enjoy yourself. But but I have a comfortable place to live. And it's important. You know, we're here trying to do our job. We need to be able, when it's time to go home, to go home someplace that's comfortable. You know, mm-hmm. it, it, it's really important. Have you, have, now how much, I've had, you know, quite a few experiences of, of, of weather or whatever getting out. Have you had, have you dealt with that much or have you been kind of lucked out? Bad weather? Yeah, oh, getting stuck, stuck or the plane getting delayed? Well, or... shoot, last year a couple of times and it may happen again, but what when, I, when I'm when i on an airplane, because I, I like to go home on Saturday mornings and come back Sunday night to check on things and, you know, in the beginning of the session I could do it, um, but when we get closer to the end, won't be able to, which is fine, but I have an emergency bag that I travel with. Oh, like a, like a go bag? Yeah, in case I get stranded. And because after last session, I'm like, okay, um, you don't want to get somewhere where you you didn't anticipate being and not have anything did, in case you're there for a day or two. So did you, do you have a car? Did you drive? Or I guess probably the ferry you couldn't drive right last no, session. No, the staff can bring their cars too. And my car is home. Um, one of my staffers' car is the car that's used to you know, I mean, for both of us to get back and forth to the Capitol and whatever else we need. And that was an agreement. Yeah. And so he gets to park in my parking space and my car is home. It's, you know, think about like Jersey or any many other states. Uh, you can, most East, East Coast states, you can probably drive to the Capitol in an hour or even New Mexico, it's a big state, but you know Santa Fe is kind of. I wouldn't of, want to drive an hour back and forth every day. Right, but I'm just saying, like Alaska's so big that I mean, no. literally, there's people that have to fly all day to get to get here from if they're in Barrow or Nome. It's just such a such a huge state compared to. No, no, you're absolutely right, but it's working out really well for me, and I'm glad because you know when I ran for office, one of the things I thought about was, gosh, do you want to. You know, do you want to live in Juneau? Because I used to come, you know, when I was on the assembly. But it was yeah, I, I saw you here before. Yep. No, plenty of times. I've been here many, many times. But it was usually overnight or two nights. And There's... I was always happy to leave. But um, I, I like it. It's working. You know, I like home, too. Yeah, it's, it's, but... A lot of folks talk about they want to move the capital. And I used to have a different opinion on that. But, but I mean, one, the capital's here in Juneau. But two, uh, you know, if it was in Anchorage, I think there's there's some benefit to having... You know, if you see people at the restaurant or you run into somebody, I mean, it's it's a way to kind of talk to folks and have conversations. If it was in Anchorage, everybody would just go home every, most people would just go home every day. I mean, there'd be some folks who have to, you know, from Fairbanks or other parts of the state. But I, I think being in Juneau actually has, I think that benefits outweigh the... Um, yeah, it's all interesting. But, you know, when I go home on the weekends checking on my house, I'm still on. I'm still on sending business. I have fo- phone calls. Um you know, I mean, I've run into people and, and I have meetings with people on different issues. I always check my emails no matter where I'm at. Always check my emails. You got the, so, you got the iPhone, right? Yeah, I have my iPhone. But I'm on all the time. And I was the same way when I was on the assembly. And when I was married, my, my husband, ex-husband used to kind of... Actually, I wasn't on the assembly when I was married, but I was staffed to the assembly. But I still 
you know, worked as hard. And I was on all the time when I was staff, you know, getting calls from assembly members, working at home, and he used to really complain about it. So it's kind of nice to not have to... Yeah, to do my job and not have to worry about somebody getting pissed because I'm not focusing on them. And Well, know. I mean, I can't imagine some of the folks that are here that are married with kids. And, I mean, like Representative Fields, you know, he's got a young kid and Representative Rasmussen. I mean, a lot of them have young kids and, you know, spouses. And it's like, I don't, I, I don't know if I could do that. It's, it's, it seems like a ton of work. I'm sure it is a ton of work. And I'm glad that, that, I'm not, that I don't have to do that. You know, I'm glad that I don't have to be responsible for anybody but myself. It makes it easier. It really does. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, they too. seem they seem to be managing. If I want to, if I want to go home, I just get go to the airport. <laughs> Pretty nice. Well, Senator LV Gray Jackson, I want to thank you again for doing the the podcast. And like I said, great job on all those, um, I guess, my resolutions speeches, or my, speeches, my uh, special speeches orders on, on the yeah. Black my, History Month. My, my speeches under special orders. I learned a lot. I'm glad. So it's I'm still what, we, so got one, we, got, we got one more day left, and because tomorrow's tomorrow's a leap, today's a this year's a leap year, right? So we got the 29th tomorrow, right? Well, we're not on the floor tomorrow, but like I mentioned earlier, I'm going to be at the um, second annual Betty Davis African American Summit, and I'm going to give a speech along with uh, Senator Baggage and Sponholtz and uh, Wilson, and I'm looking forward to that. And then here's one thing I wanted to mention about history makers. Okay, I think I mentioned it before we were mm-hmm. on tape. But anyway, the History Makers, the, a national organization that goes around the country, and they pick, um, through recommendations, African Americans who have made a difference in their community. And Senator, Senator Davis, the late Senator Davis, was a history maker last year, or two years ago in, in 2018. But the organization is back again, and I'm one of the ones that they picked. Oh, really? Yeah, and so tomorrow after the the summit, um, the, I'm going to be there just for the lunch part because I'm going to be interviewed by history makers, and it's like a four-hour interview. This will be online somewhere later? Well, or? what's going to happen is they, they I have tons of photos because I had to get tons of photos, and they do this video of you um, in the interview, and they show all these photos. It's pretty cool. It really is. And um, what they do is they, you know, you get a video and they give you a copy of it. But the video is archived forever in the Library of Congress. Oh, wow. That's great. It's an honor. It's truly an honor. I'm thrilled that, that they picked me. Well, when it's and, up, let uh, me know and I'll... I'll, uh, I'll have the video. I'll, I'll, I'll share it with you. I'll, I'll, put it, I'll put it out there on Landmine, Twitter, and Facebook. Yeah, great. Excellent. All right. Well, Senator Gray Jackson, it's been good. To, you're always one of my favorite people to run into in the hallway. So Thank you. Thank like, you. Like chatting with you. No. By the way, I got to thank you. The Sylvan... Years ago, finally, remember the Sylvan, you were here in Juneau once for the Sylvan Road. Remember that over by... Lobbying for money. Yeah, because it took years, I live back there, and it, I took, know. it took years, and every year it was a, a, a freaking pool of water. I know. And they, two or three years ago, finally fixed it, but it's, it's yeah, so when nice. I was, that happened when I was on the assembly, I, and I, I remember, worked really... I remember you were here in 2013, because I was here for work, and I ran into you, and you were here talking about, because they were trying for years to get that Sylvan Road fixed. For and, years, uh, for was, years, I, and I, I worked with Dick Trainey and you know in Berta when she was when she had this seat, and it was a joint effort, and we we got it done. Well, I want to thank you for that. So you're again, so welcome. Good, good seeing you, and we'll good we'll see you around the Capitol. Too. Okay, you will, you will. Right. Enjoy your weekend. Yeah, no, we'll do. It's uh, it's maybe getting a little warmer here, so okay. Pretty soon we, we can we, go. We hope. Pretty soon we can go swimming. That's what I heard. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks. If you uh, have an idea for a podcast or want to do a podcast, get a hold of me and stay tuned for the next one.